Welcome to the Inside Data Center podcast. I'm Andy Davis, and in this podcast, I will interview the people working in the data center sector and tell their stories. If you are working in the DC sector or you are looking to work in the sector, then this is the podcast for you. Welcome to the Inside Data Center podcast. Today, I'm joined by Ed Cook, who's the CEO and managing partner of Connexus Law. Good afternoon, Ed. Hi there, Andy. Thanks for joining me today. It's great to be here. Thank you for asking me. I'm looking forward to this one. I think it would be quite good to get an insight from a legal perspective on the industry. Do you want to just give everyone a quick intro of who you are and what you do in your, your current role? Yeah, sure thing. So um, I'm a solicitor, uh, so a, a lawyer or an attorney, but a solicitor by profession. And um, I started out as a construction lawyer and have kind of become a specialist lawyer in data centre uh data center projects and uh, anything really to do with kind of technology technology infrastructure really uh, and have been working in the sector for about 20 years a good a good solid footing in the industry i've seen quite a lot of, <laughs> seen quite a lot of things happen anyway let's put it that yeah, way <laughs> certainly seen the evolution where i always like to start just to give an idea of kind of how you got first got into the industry really is to go back to the back to the beginning of your career I noticed you did a legal de- degree at Cardiff University. Was yeah. law something you were always interested in getting into? Yeah, um, it's kind of yeah, yes, it was. Well, something I think, like a lot of kids, when I was a child, and a lot of people my age, they they kind of there was a whole slew of uh, drama series on television at that time, which were all kind of glorifying the the world of the legal profession. And I think quite a lot of people went into the profession because of that and probably I did a little bit as well but um I ended up I mean my, my dad was a my father was a consulting civil engineer so when I was when I was little uh we used to kind of go into his drawing office and and you know occasionally he'd take me on site and stuff and for me it was actually construction that was really the most interesting thing I was always always really fascinated by how projects kind of moved from paper to a physical form um even as a kid it was just amazing to watch and just to see that kind of transformation going on um and yeah it's just a for, for me construction it was, it was actually the pool because it's it's just such a it's such a tangible thing i think it's uh, and just shapes everything that you know everything that we we do in our lives nowadays is affected by the built environment and construction and real estate um and you know, I mean, Dad had been involved in so <laughs> Dad had been involved in the Aston Expressway project in Birmingham. I'm originally from Birmingham, and uh, so if you've ever kind of found yourself on the on the Aston Expressway, <laughs> the ring road around Birmingham, thinking, "Oh my God, do I do? Do I go left? Do I go right? Do I come off here or whatever?" Then well, I've driven around that many times. <laughs> right, exactly. So he, he's one of the ones to blame for that. So yes, um, so he, he, you know, he he really kind of introduced me to construction, which was kind of the first thing really, and then. I guess when I was at school, I was one of those annoying kids who who could have gone either way. I was pretty good at English and the social sciences and that kind of thing, and I, but I was also pretty good at maths and physics and chemistry and that kind of stuff. So I could have gone either way, and I ended up not following in my father's footsteps and didn't become an engineer. And I, I toddled off to Cardiff and and then on to Nottingham actually to do um, to study law. So yeah, it was it was um. It was interesting. <laughs> and did you go straight into construction law when you qualified? Pretty much. You um, 
I mean, when you are training as a lawyer, you have to do seats in in various different departments. And that is a really good idea, actually, because uh, and actually that that grounding I've kind of carried through into my career now um, because I ended up doing seats in litigation and I ended up doing seats in general kind of commercial law, so technology law um, and, and kind of how businesses run and how they buy and sell things, services and all of that kind of stuff. So that that was a really good it was a really good foundation for understanding a bit more holistically what, what businesses do and what makes them tick. Um, and I guess, yeah, when, whenever I talk to people who are coming into our profession now or, or perhaps coming into the data centre sector, I'd always try and encourage them to have a really kind of holistic view on things and to experience as many different things as they possibly can. Um, that's been... Yeah, I think that's been quite a, that's, that's an important thing for me, actually, to try and see it from lots of different angles. So, yeah. Yeah, and it's uh, interesting you say that, because I find most people that I talk to on, on this that are in a senior role have had good exposure to different roles within their element of the industry. So it's obviously something that is beneficial to to your career. And I totally agree with you. I think it's it's a really good idea to try and get exposure to different elements of whatever your specialism is, is to learn as much as you can about the industry. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the a lot of the very senior people that I work with within data centre operators, you know, some of the CEOs of those data centre operators, they've come out of an engineering background. You know, they're technical yeah. people. They know, they, know the, they know the engineering side of it. And then they've obviously through their career progression have also acquired knowledge of the the business side of it as well the commercial side of it so it's and it's very similar if you're a lawyer you need to you need to un, i need to understand a little i could never go and design a data center right but i need to know i need to understand a little bit about how a data center works technically and i need to understand a little bit about what makes the business tick how does the business make money where's it's where where are the business risks and that kind of thing so it's it's actually really important to just get that breadth of understanding yeah definitely and when did you first get exposed to data centers then was it within one of your roles you suddenly were working on a data center project yeah I get well so I qualified back in 2000 so that was at a time when there were some kind of small tel. it was primarily driven by telcos yeah the telcos were kind of moving in weren't they at that point yeah right and particularly so we, so we got involved in a couple of I mean, what you would now say a pretty small data <laughs> in the Isle of Dogs. Um, I'm not even sure they're used to data centers anymore. Probably not um, for the, for the telcos because that was where all the all the network was coming in, all the carriers were coming in. Uh, and then we did a few kind of bank related projects. So there was some some banks that had. Uh, not not data centers in the way we would know them now, but but they might have a they might have a kind of data room within their yeah. office and other some some other industries that did that. So we did little bits and pieces like that, but it was really that was primarily a kind of adjunct to dealing with the office building. You know, they wanted to get, they wanted to get all their people in the office, and then suddenly realised they needed a load of computers in there as well. So how were they, how are they going to deal with that? So that was kind of pretty small scale so that was kind of, that was I wouldn't really say that was getting involved in the data center sector because I'm not really sure there was much of a a sector at that point yeah um 
but then, I mean, really, it was by chance that I really got into the data center sector. And it's one of those funny coincidences that happen, isn't it? Where one of my, uh, I was a partner in a fairly big law firm at the time. And one of my colleagues uh, was flying, there's a, there's a big real estate conference uh, that takes place every year in Cannes called MIPIN, mm. south of France, very... Um, yeah, well, least said about MIPIN, the better probably. But um, <laughs> I think most people have heard of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> anyway, she was uh, so my colleague was was flying back from MIPIN, probably fairly tired, I would assume. Um, and she ended. She was sat next to a guy who she didn't know who it, who it was, and she got chatting to him, and uh, it transpired that it, it was um, a guy who I know now now know very well called Steve Watling, who I think you've interviewed on one of these podcasts. Yeah. And um, Steve had just joined Digital Realty as their development director, uh, and his role was really to kind of. Help them build out their data centers in EMEA. So, Digital Realty established itself as a, a US uh, data center company at the time, and they were kind of expanding into, into EMEA. And uh, so, yeah, so I ended up meeting him, and um, and that was it, really. That was the, that was how I got into data centers. So, it was a bit of a fluke, really, to be honest, but a, a, a really, really good stroke of luck, I would say. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it, how we, we end up in these situations and what they lead to. You know, and then that obviously leads on to my next question, which is why, you know, what, what made you establish your business now? What led to you creating a, a specialist within the within the data center space? Uh well, I think I mean data center assets are a particular they have particular complexity around them and they have some very different issues uh, involved in data centers and very different risks um so i mean I, i've i've worked obviously the interesting thing when you're a lawyer and you're negotiating deals is that you're normally negotiating a deal against another lawyer right and they will have varying levels of expertise about the sector yeah and so you know if you're if you're a lawyer who's used to dealing with office buildings you have an incredibly different perspective on how important air handling units are than if you're a lawyer who's working in data centers. It's a very different concept. And I think that that is uh, that for me is the critical difference. It's uh, be, by being a specialist, I can, un, uh, you know, I get to understand the technology, I understand how these data centers work at a high level. And I can uh, I can build the uh, you know I can therefore assess where the risks lie, and I can build provisions into contracts and and negotiate things that 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 deal effectively with the with that risk uh, uh, apportionment between parties and and that kind of thing. So it's it's really really important actually, and I I think having specialist lawyers is actually that's where we can really add some value as lawyers uh, if we really understand the the business uh, and the sector that we're working in we can we can really start to add some value um, we can short circuit a lot of the conversations that you might otherwise have um, you know that there are 
for example, there are a limited number of people who are involved in the data centre sector, and I've probably negotiated contracts against most of them. So that helps to short circuit lots of stuff. You get over yeah. a lot of the the gamesmanship and the you know the, the messing about. So it's, so, it's yeah, it's useful. It's really useful. I think it's well, like most businesses now, isn't it? A lot people want to work with specialists. I think whereas. If you go back, I want to say, you know, we work in the service industry as well. Recruitment's the same. You know, people want to work with specialists of the industry rather than generalists. I think that tends to be how most industries work now. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think that was really one of my, that was one of my key reasons for wanting to set up a specialist, you know, law firm. We, we don't only do data centers, but we do work where technology and the built environment kind of come together at that intersection of technology and and, and buildings um so lots of stuff to do with anything technology infrastructure or ca- subsea cabling or um fiber optics telecoms I mean, we do general real estate as well of course but that's our sweet spot is technology and real estate and um and as a as a consequence of that we we, we kind of I decide well the, the reason I set up the specialist law firm is because I had I'd been in I mean I've been equity partner in some pretty big global law firms in the past and I realized that they were heading in a direction where they were trying to be all things to all people um, and 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 they were also trying to grow very big um, so these some of these organisations are, are pretty vast, actually. And I felt that it was what we were trying to, the service we were trying to provide was getting a bit lost in all of that. It, we actually needed to remain specialist and needed to, you know, chart that course um, closely aligned to our clients instead of trying to provide all services to all people. It just, for me, it just didn't, it works very well for the big law firms, but it just wasn't where I wanted to take my career, and it wasn't where it wasn't the path I wanted to go on. So, so I felt that it was necessary to set up an, a, a, a specialist law firm. Yeah, and you, and, you, and like we were saying, we were chatting beforehand. You, you set it up around twelve months ago, so the timing was was challenging, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been interesting. What, what what do they say? Every no plan survives the first. Uh, encounter with the enemy is that what they say so I, I certainly haven't my, my business plan certainly didn't have COVID-19 written on it I have to tell you but um it's been an interest so it's been fascinating actually and it's been good and bad of course um the challenging the really challenging bits are how do you you know we've just pulled together a team of people who don't really know each other that well um and we're trying to create a firm culture, if you like, but now we're having to do it from the outset on Microsoft Teams or Zoom or yeah, whichever one you you want to choose, you know. So that's that's challenging, but then it's been it's been fascinating in other ways. So you know, the, the, from a legal, from a what we would what we've been doing with clients' perspective, my first. Certainly, the first six months of this year have been inundated with questions about force majeure clauses, and uh, you know how does 
COVID-19, how does the effect of COVID-19, how does that kind of work its way through our contractual arrangements with our customers or with our supply chain or with our funders in some cases? So looking at that, so I think pretty much every project I've looked at in the last 12 to 18 months has ended up back on my desk again <laughs> at the beginning <laughs> of the year for us to have another look at. So that was that was been interesting. And then if I'm honest, I think there was a bit of a hiatus around kind of July, August little bit of September where things were a bit quieter actually because I think people had solved their immediate problems and then were so it's dealt with a panic (laughs) yeah now now planning yeah where do we go next well well, I think they were they were they were nervously planning and thinking okay well we're not not sure we actually want to press the button on anything at the moment but we'll we'll go away and have a jolly good think about it and then and I don't mean that in a patronizing way because that's exactly what I would have done and then and then I, you know, things have now taken off because there's now a, a kind of there was a pregnant pause, and everybody's now saying, okay, well, we we want to get on with it. So yeah, uh, definitely, it's busy again. So it's it's been a, yeah, it's been a, you can kind of track people's sentiment through the throughout the course of the year, really, just by what they were what was that, what was landing on my desk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true, and I, I find it hard to kind of even know what what month it is this year i think it's just kind of one big block isn't it it's since march to now it's we've been really really busy but it's hard to remember what you did when without looking back at it on paper i thought i really struggled to remember what i was doing a a month ago it's it's crazy people's yeah i've i've really felt that like the kind of people's or my at least conception of time has been really warped by this whole experience so some things when I look back on them, feel as though they were a very long time ago, and and then every week I'm sat there and I'm thinking, my word, is that has it Friday? <laughs> it's Friday again. I know. <laughs> like, so it's it's yeah, it's quite weird actually. It is strange. I, I totally agree with that. One thing I was going to ask you as well is from a sort of within COVID and also before all this happened, what what are the main legal challenges you you come across in the industry? I think that'd be quite interesting for the listeners to get an idea of where the challenges are yeah sure so well um aside from force majeure yeah. <laughs> which you know not, not many people paid an awful lot of attention to before this happened if i'm really honest um so leaving that aside i think the the big things that that i uh hear clients talking about and they come and talk to me about are things like Resilience in the supply chain and capacity within the supply chain, uh, that, that is a really difficult issue right now. Um, the data centre sector is expanding rapidly. We know that. So there's, there's construction going on all over the place. But we are still, in my view, heavily dependent upon a relatively small number of suppliers in the market. Um, and they are working very hard to satisfy that demand, but it does mean that there is a, a resiliency and a capacity issue there. So, so we w- we'd work a lot with clients on on the construction of data centres, where we are trying to work with them to help them deal with issues about long lead items, um, shave time off their delivery program, um, get their get their customers in early. You know that kind of thing. So it's that that whole issue around supply chain resilience and capacity is is a big one. Um, 
there is a whole raft of stuff about regu the regulatory environment. And for a lot of our clients, they're working at, an, at a global international scale. Um, so not only are they having to contend with an issue uh, around um, regulation that is across multiple sectors. So, so data centers, because because they don't, they're not really a, a sector in and of themselves. Data centers get caught by regulation that is not really aimed at them quite a lot so a lot of the energy regulation and environmental regulations some of the tax regulations and, and that kind of thing it, it captures data centers and affects data centers but hasn't really been drafted with them in mind so it yeah, can have a slightly weird effect when you try and apply it so that so they so my clients are caught with that as a problem and then, of course, they're trying to do it on a global scale where everybody, every country's got their own laws. So that's what I was going to say. It must be quite complex because a, really, a, lot of the, a lot of these regions have different laws and they're continuously changing. And I know that just from reading articles that the Netherlands will bring in a new law around power usage in, this, in and around Amsterdam, for example. And that adds another complexity to your clients and to you. Right. <laughs> and, then, and then, of course, you have something whatever your views on it are, 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 are you know you can have either be in favor of it or against but you then have something like brexit which i don't think anybody can argue is going to have a fairly significant An impact yeah <laughs> uh and we're, we're all sat there thinking okay well what does that mean then how does that how is that going to change all of the regulatory environment applicable in the united kingdom how does it change things like data transfer uh, to the United Kingdom or outside of the, or out of the United Kingdom into the EU? How does it affect data portability relationships between the UK and the US? Um, and all of those issues have a, a, a really kind of st strategic kind of effect on the data center industry because they, they can create markets, they can create market opportunities, or they can flatten market opportunities, at, 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 you know, in one foul swoop. So it's it's really to kind of keep track of all of that is is quite a challenge and you know we as lawyers struggle to keep up with it all so how our clients keep up with it all is um you know is a mystery really they they and perhaps some of them don't but um it's it's a, certainly a challenge yeah and i guess they they can change very quickly as well so you you could be working towards one set of regulations and then six months later that that government or that region's change the regulations and you have to adapt to it, which must throw up another challenge for for yourself as well. Yeah, absolutely right. You can set up a whole project on an assumption of you know, a certain relatively benign regulatory environment and then all of a sudden it changes. And, you know, that, that becomes an even bigger risk when when we're when the data center sector is moving into some emerging markets so you think of data centers being constructed in in africa or some of the non-traditional asian uh countries that that may be less a little less politically stable um and that really can change on the turn of sixpence you know it, it really can be very um impactful so how you structure your deal your project to consider 
how regulatory change might affect you is is massively important. Yeah. Just, okay. you know, just keeping track of it all. Yeah, exactly. So you need to know the changes have, uh, have happened to deal with them. I read a couple of articles that you were quoted in earlier in the year as well, which I thought we'd touch on. And I think back in March... <laughs> I hope I can remember them. <laughs> yeah. I see it. Back in March, it was about sites closing down and how that would affect the supply chain, which obviously ties into what you've what you've just mentioned. What were you seeing at that point as these major projects were mothballed or, or closed or delayed? Were you, did you have a specific problem to deal with at that point? Um, it's been interesting. I think um, on the whole, I would say actually, um, clients, I, I typically work on the operator side to so the developer side. So clients and their supply chain, so their main contractors and their key other key suppliers have, have worked pretty cooperatively actually. Um, on the whole, I would say, there's been a kind of, okay, we're, we're all affected by this, but let's roll our sleeves up and get on with it, kind of a mentality to it, which is exactly right. That's you know, it's exactly what you need. Um, I think there was, when, when things started to get locked down in March, initially there was a bit of a, a moment of pause and everybody thought, okay, what, what, what is going on? Take stock. <laughs> yeah, what is going on and how are we going to deal with it? And um, and so that and I think that was probably when that article was written. And I, uh, uh, you know, we were saying there that will sites be shut down? Um, will borders be closed? So uh, one of the one of the challenges with, in the data center sector is a lot of the big pieces of plant and equipment are are often shift, shipped across borders. We yeah. in one country and installed in another. So as as are the kind of and you probably know this as are the you know the specialist engineers that work on it that, that they have to move across countries to come and install and commission plant in days and so, so there was lots of stuff around that which was quite complex and i think um our experience very initially on that was that yeah people just uh unsurprisingly people just kind of paused and said okay what's what's going on here and uh, what, what? How are we going to deal with it? And then, on the whole, as I say, we've had one or two notable exceptions. But on the whole, I would say that the contractors and suppliers have then have then worked pretty cooperatively with one another and have found a way to to get on with it and carry on. That's not to say things haven't been affected. Things have been very affected. You know, there's been a considerable amount more cost, considerable. Uh, uh, lowering of of construction efficiency if you like efficiency of working and and therefore programs have have gone out but um the willingness certainly has has generally speaking the willingness has been there because people see the bigger prize right and if you if you step up to the mark and you manage to deliver this project despite the adversity of covid-19 then you've just cemented a relationship with that with that client that for life if you have a different attitude to it and decide you're going to play games around it, then they'll probably never come back to you again. Yeah, no, definitely. I agree with you as well. I think that's that's what we've seen. I think a few projects were mothballed, for want of a better word, and yeah. but they were very quickly back up in operation just with a reduced workforce, with, say, 30%, 40% reduction in workforce, which adds a slight time frame to the project. But generally, the majority yeah. are back up and running now. Yeah, and a lot of them have been working, you know, with an A team and a B team. So you haven't got everybody on site at the same time. Um, so that's been 
quite sensible way of working, you know, and then there were a lot of the contractors have had to spend quite a lot of money on installing uh, different types of PPE um, and, and that kind of thing, you know, and, and screening and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. And another article I read about was about how obviously we've seen a massive advance in digitization and the effect that has on mergers and acquisitions. I think this year we've seen quite a lot of activity in that in that space. Have you been involved in that? Is that something you're seeing more of now than you were last year? Yeah, I mean, certainly there's a there's a massive amount of consolidation in the market, and that, I mean, if you follow any sector, that's a, a, a traditional sign of maturity within the within the sector. You know, it's starting to become mature, and now there's there's consolidation going on, and I think so a lot of acquisitions by bigger players in the market so i mean you saw digital realty effectively i'm not sure whether they call it a merger or whether they call it an acquisition of, of interaction uh, and, and there have been an awful lot of other examples but that's just one that's top of my mind so um yeah i i think that will continue i think that will continue um I, my hunch is that particularly in emerging markets uh, some of the bigger companies might let um, a smaller company make a start there and yeah, kind, of, definitely. kind of land there first. And then there may well be a whole series of acquisitions within emerging markets because, um, you know, the benefits of scale and, and what have you. So, yeah, I can I, I can see that happening. And, yes, we, we you know, we are involved in that kind of, that kind of stuff. We, we wouldn't We wouldn't... We're still a, a, a young law firm, so we don't deal with the very big corporate acquisition type stuff. But um, but we, you know we, we we are involved in some of it, and we're certainly involved in some of the due diligence side of, of corporate acquisitions. I think you're seeing a lot more new organisations as well, aren't you? You're seeing a lot of quite major financially backed new developers come into the market as well, as well as the old the established like the digitals of this world. There's a lot of new players that I'm and you. I couldn't count off the top of my head how many there's been this year that you would say are quite a substantial size, but it's probably yeah. been at least at least half a dozen, I would say. Yeah, and that, and I mean they're 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 really been set up by um, by funds. Yeah, the, and established people from within the organiser uh, within the sector as well. Yeah, so it's the it's the money coming together with the experience, um, and and I suspect that is a sign of two things. One. People, there is there is actually quite a lot of cash floating around, um, and people are struggling to find things to invest it in. I mean, you, you wouldn't want to go and invest in shopping centres right now. Yeah, property is not ideal, is it? Yeah, or, or probably offices. Although, <laughs> if you look across London right now, you'll see a lot, quite a lot of fairly big offices still being built, and there's, there's a lot of craneage out there. But um, yeah, I think people are trying to find where to invest that money, and and of course. Um, the data center sector and and anything that's digital infrastructure, technology infrastructure is is the game in town because that's the one which is everybody expects to to kind of grow. So that's where the opportunities lie. So it's interesting that you know you get a lot of uh, I'm sure other lawyers who work in the sector are the same, and I'm I'm quite sure quite a lot of the agents will be the same as well, where they get calls from people who, who you know who own a plot of land somewhere or have a warehouse or something and they think that well we want to turn this into a data center and it's it's really interesting that because it's not as simple as that is it unfortunately 
you have you just you just need to have one conversation with them about what the what the capex s curve looks like and they they run for the hills because they're not yeah. using that money that that much money that early on in the project so it's it's interesting it's, i don't know of course when i've spoke to a few people on these that are more involved in the, d- the development side of the industry i don't think people understand how complex data centers are as an asset either i think it again it's without an understanding of the industry you don't really understand what the asset is and where the value is yeah yeah and what you know where you need to pay attention and we 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 certainly do a lot of the development work we do do a lot of customer contracts as well so we understand how how it's sold and what's important to the end user you know around slas and that kind of thing so once again you can you can start to think, okay, well, what's going to be important in a construction contract? Because you start at the end, if you like. You start at where what's being sold, understand what's being sold, and then work backwards and work out, okay, what does the product therefore need to – what requirements does the product, which is the data centre, therefore need to fulfil in order to, to meet that customer's demand? So mm-hmm. we, we kind of – yeah, we, we, we understand how the – how the SLAs work and the customer contracts work, and then we can work backwards from that and think, okay, well, how does it need to be? How does it need to be delivered, and what does the what do the development contracts need to say? Yeah, sounds simple, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, it's really simple. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it sounds much easier when you talk about. It. So going forward, what's the you know how do you see the industry moving forward, and what what's kind of the plans for for your business as you as we go into next year? So, um, well, in terms of the sector. The data center sector. I think um, we're really key. We're advising quite a number of clients at the moment, and we're very on kind of innovation within the sector. And we're very keen to to look at that more. So we're looking at you know how how data centers might be constructed using offsite manufacturing. Uh, there's an awful lot of uh, development going on around energy sources, of course. So innovation within energy, looking at kind of ba- new battery technology and new battery chemistries, fuel cells, renewables, all of, all of that kind of stuff, and and how you how that can be um, used in the data center environment directly, rather than just uh, somebody paying for you know an, uh, sustainable energy credits or whatever. Um, there's some interesting stuff going on with augmented reality for um, how you maintain uh, particular pieces of equipment within data centers using augmented reality. So you put a headset on and you can kind of walk through and pull up the maintenance records for the generator or whatever it might be. I think that's quite interesting. Um, there's some, we're seeing some things now where there's uh, people are using machine learning and what or artificial intelligence, depending on your your view on it, um, uh, to to do some of the some of the BMS, the building management systems within the within the data centres. There's there's lots going on. So yeah, we're seeing quite a bit of the augmented reality in um, construction as well. There's a few of the new hyperscale facilities that are just sort of moving into the next phase, and I know some of the contractors have are using that technology. So it'd be interesting to see how that affects the the construction of the project. Yeah, we've had and and things like um, I'm not sure it's quite there technologically yet, but things like drones who that kind of fly over and can measure the progress that's been made in construction. Mm. So they're doing their kind of so that you can, you can do your kind of weekly report by flying a drone over the data center, 
which I think is fascinating. And I don't know how, yeah, as I say, I'm not sure the technology. Well, I think as a, as a tech industry, which again, I think you can kind of think of it too much as construction industry sometimes when you're working like we are, it's a tech industry. So it should be at the cutting edge of technology used in the process. Well, not, and it is, but the advances in it, we should get them first really into this industry, I think. I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. And and, I, and we and as a secretary, it is, you know, it is leading the way, particularly in mechanical and electrical, I think. Where, I'll be honest, where I think it falls down as an industry a little bit is is the kind of bricks and mortar part of, of data centres, um, where it's still relatively traditionally done. And, you know, you compare, for many years, we've been comparing manufacturing industries uh, to the construction industry and the construction industry in terms of productivity has always come out fairly poorly yeah in and so I'm, I'm quite excited by the advent of by, well not the advent but the, by more use of off-site manufacturing for the construction the bricks and mortar element of a building um, I think that would be fascinating no, I totally agree and what about your own business then is it I'm sure you're hoping next year is a bit a bit uh, less challenging than, than this year <laughs> yeah uh, yeah that was so nice. am I to be totally honest I, well I don't I don't mind the challenge but I'd rather it wasn't the Covid related challenge yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> I think that's a, posi- a, po- a positive challenge would be nice yeah um, well f- for us it's about growth really um, we are uh, there's currently 12 of us and we, we we're our kind of target is not is to be to get up to about probably 40 lawyers within the next couple of years. So it's really about growth. It's about filling in some gaps that we've got in our service provision. Um, and then it's about adding capacity, basically. Um, we are also looking, at the moment, we, we're in a lucky position. We, I mean, we work, don't just work in the UK, we work on projects all over the world. Um, so we've got stuff on in India and Japan and all across Europe at the moment. Um, which is really exciting. And that's one of the great things about working in the data sector. Yeah, I totally agree. That's what I enjoy about it. It's a, it's a total global, global industry and there aren't many that are like that these days. And, and negotiating with people, I can tell you, negotiating contracts with people who have a, are from a wholly different culture to you, it's really interesting. It's really hard, but it's really interesting. Um, and you just have to, you have to check yourself all the time. It's really interesting. Um, so yeah, so so we will look at the moment when we're doing working uh, internationally. We we typically work. We're, we're lucky because we can hand pick the the law firms in foreign countries that we want to work with. So yeah. we can kind of pick the specialists who many of whom we know, uh, and we can we can work with them and assign them to the, to our to work with us on our projects, and then we can provide a lot of the kind of commercial savvy and the drafting and what have you and then they can provide the local legal advice so that works really well but there will come a time when we probably want to think about in setting up some of our own teams in some of the core the core cities core, core jurisdictions definitely oh yeah it's been really interesting i've enjoyed our our chat i've definitely learned, <laughs> learned a lot that's for sure and hopefully, hopefully everyone else has before we wrap up there's always one question i ask everybody just to get their view basically so if there's one piece of advice you'd give to anyone looking to work in the data center industry what would it be can i give two pieces of advice you can give as many as you want i say one piece but <laughs> you're more than welcome to, to have as many as you want well i guess one of them we one of them i guess we've already touched on which is 
as soon as you're able to in your career try to get a really rounded appreciation of how the how the industry works as a whole so you know if you're I don't know if you're an engineer working in a design office for a particular client have a little chat with the client and say hey can any chance we could I could come into your office and and sit with you and just see how you how you work on this kind of thing um how you, how you work on these projects or how your sales team sells things or something like that but really kind of get a holistic view on how the industry fits together it's pretty self-contained so it's not too hard to do that actually i don't think it's a good and I think every, also I, I really agree with that point. And also I think people are open to doing it. You know, most people, yeah, most people I talk to always say, you know, reach out to me if you want to know anything. And and it's not one of those that said kind of thinking, well, I don't really want you to reach out to me, but I better say it. Genuinely, everyone listening to this, I think you should reach out to people in the industry and ask questions because everyone I speak to is really keen to share share their knowledge. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Totally agree with that, and which is great to see. And I mean, there's a real push. So I'm involved in a number of data centre organisations, and there's a real push to kind of nurture and bring people into the industry, which is fantastic to see and and, and really important. Yeah. Um, and then the other bit of advice I would give is is to do with perseverance, I suppose. And and uh, I mean, I. You, you, you know, when you're starting out in your career, you'll get a number of setbacks and, and knockbacks and what have you. I, I remember when I was starting out as a lawyer, I didn't, in my first year, I didn't get taken on as an apprentice by a firm, um, which was a bit of an eye-opening experience for me. But you just keep persevering and try every avenue and eventually I think your luck changes. So so my view on that is just keep keep trying at it, keep keep persevering with it. Um get get the best education you can and then once you've got it then you know you just keep keep handing people until they until you break them down and they give you the job until they give uh, up yeah absolutely that's why i did <laughs> uh, to be honest i think there's two pieces two great pieces of advice i totally agree that you should reach out to people in the industry to learn more about it and get exposure to more sectors and i also think that people shouldn't be shy of harassing people or persevering as we should call it to get that opportunity because it's a lot easier to get it if you keep trying if you only try once get knocked back and give up you're never really going to get anywhere i agree excellent thanks for your time today Ed. i really enjoyed that chat hope hopefully all my <laughs> listeners have have learned a lot about the, the legal side of the industry probably a side they didn't didn't know much about until today so i'm sure they've all benefited from it good and if anyone's got any questions, I'm sure you're happy for them to reach absolutely. out to you. Yeah, absolutely. What will you will you put uh, if you want to put the email address on on the? Yeah, well, I'll share it out. Yeah, and I'll put your um, put your contact details on it. No problem at all. Yeah, Thanks for your time, Ed, and we'll speak again soon. All right. Thanks, Andy. Great stuff. Cheers. Take care. You too.